Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What a remarkable documentary uh, we're about to dive into here. Uh, for those of you who have any interest in politics, uh, this is one that you certainly should check out because in addition to being a very interesting uh, portrait of a very interesting political figure as well as a husband and the, the relationship that he shares with his wife, the the documentary Wiener, and it's about Anthony Wiener, as most of you know, was involved in a political scandal in which he uh, was exposed – pardon me, for uh, sexting some photos of himself and the ramifications of all of what happened after that, the loss of his uh, of his seat in Congress, and then he subsequently ran uh, for uh, mayor of New York City. And this remarkable documentary chronicles this in so many interesting and provocative ways. I'm, we're honored to have with us today Josh Kriegman and Elise Steinberg. Thank you so much for being here on Film School. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so tell me, I, I guess you probably get asked this question immediately right out of the gate because it, it's just such an integral part of the film and how it came about. How were you able to sort of gain the confidence and trust of this political figure, Anthony Weiner, and as at least as important uh, as that is with his wife, uh, Uma Abedin? How how did that come about? And I'll I'll leave it to either one of you to sort of jump in on that question. Yeah, this is uh, certainly a question that a lot of a lot of people have. How did this uh, documentary come to be? Um, you know, I actually met Anthony while working for him in politics. I was his district chief of staff for a couple of years when he was in Congress. So I got to know him well through that work and saw what a dynamic and interesting and and charismatic uh, person that he was uh, in politics. And then I left politics and started working in filmmaking. Um, and that's when he got caught up in his scandal and ultimately resigned from Congress. And at that point, we started a conversation with him about the possibility of making a documentary and trying to figure out if there was a way that he uh, might be willing to have his story told. And that was a conversation that really went uh, over the course of a couple of years of going back and forth with him and thinking about the possibilities of doing a film. And then uh, a couple years after he resigned, he decided to run for mayor of New York City. And it was on the day that he announced he was running that he agreed to let us in to film him for this documentary. And we started shooting from uh, from the day he announced he was running all the way through to the end of the election. Well, Elise, then what was it like for sort of the interpersonal stuff? I mean, it would be one thing to agree to a documentary about the race, which you chronicle beautifully in terms of I, I actually have run political campaigns I actually have a background in politics so I understand the dynamics and the the chaos the control chaos of, of a campaign and that, that would that in and of itself would have been a wonderful film but where where were you why and how were you able you must have really gained their trust because we see them in the most unguarded moments and in this film Talk a little bit about going from just chronicling the campaign into more of a personal side to their story. You're, you're exactly right. And this question about why did he allow us to film and why did they allow us to film, um, it is a question that we wondered about ourselves. And 
in the film is a question that we pose yes. to Anthony. Yes. And and um, at the end of the film, Anthony does give us an answer when yes. he says that he wanted to be viewed as the full person that he was yes. instead of a punchline. Yes. And that was certainly our intention with this film, to take somebody who had just been reduced to a punchline and a caricature and offer a more nuanced and complex portrait. Okay. Well, and let's go back because for some people, I mean, they're they aren't necessarily playing paying as close attention to politics as I do and a lot of other people. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the rise and fall of Anthony Weiner in terms of his standing within the Democratic Party, particularly in Congress. Very fiery guy. Um Josh, tell us a little bit about his sort of backstory, if you will. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the amazing things about Anthony's story is that he really was a rising star in the Democratic primary prior to uh, to the sexting scandal that ultimately um, led to his resignation. You know, he was um, he was known for being a, a loud and aggressive, um, an unrelenting voice, uh, championing uh, progressive causes like uh, universal health care. You know, and one of the things that uh, Anthony was remarkably good at was using the tools of, of modern media, like, you know, understanding how to go viral on YouTube and how to mix it up in cable news in ways that got a lot of attention. He understood how to really use the media to, um, to amplify his voice in the service of the agenda that he was fighting for. And it really um, was resonating, especially with the progressive left. And so he was really um, becoming, a, you know, a, a force to contend with uh, right around the time that, uh, that his scandal emerged. Yeah, my impression of him during this period of time was when I first saw him, he struck me as someone who had a real fire in in him, in not, not only in the, his rhetoric, but in his bearing. He seemed to be someone prepared to fight, and I mean that in almost every meaning, every sense of the word. He came across as someone who was not going to be bullied or pushed around, and his and his, from his perspective, it's he was willing to essentially go toe-to-toe with just about anyone who dared to challenge him. Is That's that a- right, yeah. I mean, he, he liked to refer to himself as a little bit of a happy warrior. And I think it was a stance that, uh, you know, many uh, progressives especially, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a way in which maybe a lot of liberals and, and folks on the progressive side of the aisle are kind of yearning for, for that kind of voice. And, and he, he really, I think, uh, in some ways filled the voice. Well, let's get into the political stuff, the politics of it. Uh, when he announced he was going to be running for mayor of New York City, what was the dynamic there? There was obviously some people that were favored to win. or And just get into the sort of internal politics of New York City during the time when when Anthony Weiner decided to announce. Yeah, I mean, when he announced he was running for mayor, it was, it was a really dramatic um, announcement because, you know, he was only two years out of uh, away from this fairly disgraceful uh, sexting scandal and resignation. And a lot of people had kind of counted him out or sort of written him off as a joke um, and thought that he really didn't stand a chance. Um, But uh, once he entered the race, um, he really um, received kind of an avalanche of of media coverage. And a lot of folks were caught up in this this idea of sort of a redemption narrative. And, um, and, And he also was, you know, a very effective politician. And within a few weeks, actually, about six weeks or so, he rose to the top of the polls, and he was um, winning. And a lot of people were looking at, at the race and, and really amazed that he was defying expectations and thinking, wow, you know, this guy really could be the next mayor of New York City. And that was, of course, the point where, uh, where, where new revelations about his scandal emerged, and it, it changed the story uh, pretty dramatically. Well, and Elise, I want to talk to you a little bit about the this, because I remember when that was happening, and 
and I remember the national media, I don't know how New York media exactly was responding, but national media continued to sort of drive home this narrative that he was a joke, that it was sort of sort of morally reprehensible that he was even considering running for, for this position, really just sort of dismissive of him. Um, I don't know what the New York. I don't honestly understand. Know what the New York uh, press was treating him like. I, I assume some echo of that. But talk a little bit about how he was being perceived in sort of the media at that time. You're absolutely right. I mean, he was. You know, they considered his entrance into the mayoral's race as a joke. Um, he was very much discounted. Um, he also got a ton of attention. Um, uh, but as as Josh was saying. Six weeks into the campaign, yeah. he rose pretty quickly in, in the polls, and it was, it was surprising, and we thought this could be a remarkable comeback story, um, and, then, and he could be mayor. <laughs> um, but then, of course, things took a different turn. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, when, when, the, when the, that second wave came out, I was, it was just like, I remember being on The Daily Show before that, and, then, and, and I, it's, it seemed like John Stewart and him had uh, some kind of a friendship of sorts, or at least uh, fellow travelers, if you will, seemed to tr- seemed to really like you know what he was doing and, and and his approach to politics. And then I remember just sort of the barrage of stuff that came out. It just had to be withering to be inside of the bubble, if you will, when that stuff started to happen. Um, and it's in the film. And by the way, I, I don't yeah. think I've sufficiently really uh, given due credit to you as filmmakers. You do a remarkable job of capturing this, all of the things that we're talking about in real time. It's it's really a remarkable document that you have done here with with uh, with Wayner. Uh, but talk a little bit about that feeling of being on the inside. At that point, you must be at least you you're socially you know friendly with these people in this campaign what was it like to be on the inside of that when it started to happen the second time well yeah it's a great question i mean certainly um you know i had a, a long history with anthony and uh, at the point where the where the the campaign took a turn and the scandal emerged again i had been filming pretty much all day every day for a number of weeks and so i was very much embedded with with them it was intense. I mean, there were definitely, um, it was definitely an emotional experience to be, you know, in the room. You know, I was actually with Anthony and Huma and his staff on the morning that the scandal broke for a second time in the middle of a campaign. And uh, Anthony asks his staff to leave, um, but allows me to stay. And I'm standing in the room there with, with Anthony and Huma and really feeling, feeling for them and feeling for the intensity, feeling the intensity of the moment. Um, but also as a documentarian, you know, one of the challenges is, is trying to strike the balance between um, being in touch, of course, with the with the emotions of, of what's going on around you, but also uh, keeping the camera rolling. And, and there's a kind of emotional remove, I think, that you sort of have to uh, navigate and cultivate when it comes to uh, to doing your best to capture the story as it's unfolding in front of you. Yeah, Elise, I would ask you as well about the sort of the the uh, the. There's a couple of scenes, but one in particular that I remember in the uh, when uh, Huma is standing in the kitchen and they're sort of getting the kids ready to to go off on their day, and the the sort of the back and forth between her and Anthony at that point. You can, you I mean, it's just really wrenching to watch, just on, on a personal level, to watch the her pain of having to deal yeah. with this. Uh, talk a, a little bit about just how how graceful she was able to handle this, in my opinion. She was um, remarkably composed under the circumstances and very, very graceful about it. Talk a little bit about her as a person and, and your re- understanding of that. 
Well, I think that, you know, one of the more striking things about the film as we were watching things unfold was you had the private story and the public story. And there was a real disconnect there. So you got to see the judgment that was placed against Anthony and placed against Tuma. And then you got to see the private story, the real story. You see them, you know, raising their kid and putting him to sleep. Um, and some of that disconnect was what we wanted to show in the film, to sort of show the humanity behind the headlines. And, and in terms of Huma, um, you know, she is a remarkably talented person and incredibly hardworking public servant. Um, and, in, and just as there was judgment against Anthony, the same is true for her. But in our film, you get a multifaceted look at her. You see her as a wife, a mother, a, a person with a really important job. And as we've talked about, our hope with this film was to brought provide a, a more nuanced portrait of them. It does. It provides a, quite a context for it. I know we just have a minute to go. Um, the reaction from the family, uh, from Anthony and Huma on this film, um, how's it been? How's How are the people closest to, to this film reacted to, to the film? Yeah, I mean, they actually haven't seen it yet. Uh, we offered to show it to them many months ago a number of times and went back and forth about whether uh, they wanted to watch it. And and they, they haven't wanted to see it. Um, and it's, it's been an open invitation, and uh, they know that they're welcome to see it uh, whenever they like. And, and we imagine that they, they will at some point, and, and we're uh, looking forward to seeing what they think about it. Yeah. I, I will say, as much as I want to just drag Anthony around by the hair for what he did to his, his political career and for a rising star, a rising light, in, uh, bright light in the, in the political spectrum, uh, it's just so sad to see. Uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm defending what he did, but it, it, I. It's. It's just. Uh, it's. It's hard to watch. It's. It's hard to watch film in that regard. But it's a brilliant film to watch uh, as uh, someone who who loves documentaries and loves to see the, the as much more of the story than than we have been uh, than we know of. Um, well, thank you. That's that's certainly our hope is that people you know they they come to this story with a certain preconception. Uh, many people come to the story thinking that they know all the ins and outs already, and then yeah. you know part of the experience of watching the film, we hope, is to be surprised by by what what you get to to see. Well, thank you so much for being here on Film School. The film is Wiener. It's opening here in Los Angeles today, this uh, May twentieth, uh, and will be rolling out all over uh, the country, I'm certain. And it's a terrific film. And go see it, uh, Josh Kriegman and Ellie Steinberg. Thank you so much for being here on, on Film thank, School. Thanks thank so you. much. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.